You're listening to Work It Lady, where the goal is for all ladies to be the best versions of ourselves. And if we happen to be moms, be the best moms ever and maintain our sanity while we do it. Okay, guys. So today we are going to have definitely an episode for all women. Um, We're going to touch on something kind of serious today. Um, We all at some point or another may have been in a situation with a job where maybe there's unsafe working conditions. Maybe there's something going on at that job in that company that's an issue. And of course, the natural course of action is to bring that to the attention of your manager, um, bring that to the attention of HR. And, you know, what's supposed to happen is a nice, you know, gradual process of resolving whatever issue is present. But unfortunately, a lot of the times that does not happen. And what can happen is you are either pushed away or you are somehow silenced for trying to basically do the right thing in the workplace. So today I have a very special guest. Her name is Stephanie Van DeMotter. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? there. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great today. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm so glad you're going to sit down with us today because, um, you know, we're going to talk because you are uh, the owner of the Silence No More Foundation. And what Stephanie did, guys, was she was the first person to have won a whistleblower retaliation lawsuit and harassment lawsuit against the Irvine Company, one of the most powerful real estate companies in America. So um, I'm really interested to know about this topic, and I'm sure the listeners are too. So first, though, could you tell me a little bit more about your role in the company at that time when you were there and what were the events that led up to the lawsuit? Absolutely. So first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your show today. Uh, I truly appreciate you inviting me to be here and I Um, I've listened to some of your podcasts and I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to you and to some of your listeners today. Uh, My, you know, my purpose is uh, to be of service and to share my experience to your listeners and to hopefully, uh, if there's any women who have gone through what I've gone through, uh, I know that for me that it was a very lonely experience and I felt Mm -hmm. very alone when I was going through it. And so now that I'm on the other side of it, it's really important to me to be able to uh, share share what happened to me and to share my you know experience, strength, hope with other people to so they can get through it. And uh, so back to your question. So your question was my role. So I worked as a property manager at uh, at a building called Twelve Twenty One Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, California. And mm. I this was. I worked there from the age of 33 until I was 49. So for a woman, those are, you know, my experience and with all of my girlfriends, those are our prime working years. Yes. You know, I really dedicated 16 years, which is a huge chunk of time, the majority of my professional career to this company. And, uh, you know, the building was, uh, it was a high rise. It was a celebrity high rise with mm-hmm. uh, every, every celebrity you could ever imagine that lived there. And I lived on site. So I was the manager. I lived on site. I lived in this beautiful apartment that overlooked the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I was surrounded by the most interesting people that you could ever imagine every day. And I mean, the truth <laughs> is, 
aspect is that it was my dream job. Wow. Uh, and I, it's still, it's still hard for me because I mean, I loved it. Oh, yeah. And, and I planned to work there. Honestly, I planned to work there, you know, forever. I mean, I wanted to work there for my, for, for my entire life. And, um, so, so I had a job that I really loved. Um, I think it's also important just to point out that, uh, you know, I, I was probably the least likely person to, if you would have asked me seven years ago, I would have told you that I was the least likely person to become a whistleblower, mm -hmm. you know, career that I loved. I felt like I worked in a, in a, a male dominated industry where I, uh, thrived. I loved what I did. I was recognized for what I did. I loved my employer. They loved me. And, you know, it was really a, it was a great experience. And it was a, it was a, I felt so lucky and so fortunate to, to have that. Um, and it's kind of setting the stage because it's also important, you know, leading up to the events, because I really always felt like if I, prior to this, to this chain events, I always felt that if I had a problem, I thought I actually could go to my company. Mm. I thought I could go to HR. I felt that I could go to my previous supervisors, even with HR. Uh, prior to that particular, prior to this like incident that happened, um, I felt safe and I felt like, I felt like I could safely come forward to my company if I thought that there was something that was going on. Uh, never in a million years did I ever imagine that it would be a different experience. Um, and so then the next part of your question, which is what happened, uh, what happened was that around 2013, the end of 2013, uh, the, the experts at our company became aware that we had a, a water intrusion. It's a high rise. So we realized that there was a water intrusion and mold issue. Oh, no. It started appearing in some of the apartments, and as the as they started to go out and investigate some of these other units, they realized that it was actually a systemic problem that was going on throughout the property. And um, so, when I lived on site too, by the way, and I was also impacted by this, I actually was really sick for a really long time. Mm. I didn't understand why I was so sick all the time. I later learned out it was because of the mold. Um, so as I realized that this was happening, um, the first thing that happened was that when we became aware of the issue, I was told not to share this information <gasps> with anybody. Shame. I was instructed to keep it a secret, not talk about, not to use the word mold, not to tell people that, that, there, that there was mold in the units. We actually, uh, there were inspections that were done in a series of units. And out of those units, there was actually mold found in occupied units that residents lived in. And we were informed not to tell anybody that there was, that there was mold in these apartments. I mean, it was really, um, and I, again, because I, I lived on the property, I lived there for 16 years. These residents were my neighbors, they were my friends. I knew them, I cared about them. I, I knew their children, their families, I knew everybody. And so it was, um, I mean, it was, it was as if uh, for anyone that's ever gone through a relationship where they've been cheated on, 
and all of a sudden they think that they're related they think that they're married to this person and all of a sudden they find out that they're married to a totally different person sure. it, was, it was like the same thing with my employer I had one experience where all of a sudden in one day everything turned upside down and my experience completely changed where all of the rules of engagement in terms of uh, the company that I worked for, how we operated and how I thought we were supposed to uh, act, which was ethically tell the truth, all of those mm -hmm. things, uh, it all went upside down and uh, everything was different. And it was, uh, I still, to this day, I know it happened to me. I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you about it, but mm -hmm. even as I tell you the story today, I mean, I still, it's still hard to accept that um, to find out that when, uh, that the, that in this case where, um, we had a very serious problem that actually risked the health and the safety yes. of the residents, the employees and the general public in the building that, uh, that the company actually was making a decision to put the profits ahead of the safety of the residents. Uh, it was really, it was a very, uh, it was a horrible situation for me to be put in mm -hmm. and it was it was not only devastating to me uh personally it was devastating to me professionally mm -hmm. and um and to this day i re i remain you know very traumatized and and yeah. sad by it. so first i want to thank you for beautifully setting the stage as to the backstory and what was going on in your life at that time and sharing how much of a beautiful experience you initially had with this company in terms of your job, how much you loved your job and how much of a deception it was because you know you worked all those years with no issues and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you see how they're handling mishandling this major issue and to me i have to say big kudos and props to you because some people would have just said hey you know what i'm getting a paycheck um they told me not to say anything i don't care you know and it's nice to run across people who are still morally connected who are still interested in the well-being of others and who are willing to do the right thing, no matter what the cost. Because like I said, you could have very easily just said, I love my job, I love my life. I mean, you're, I know the building that you're talking about, um, you know, just from that area, you know, I've never been to that particular building. I'm not sure, you know, what, what the deal is with it now, but it's a nice area and that, had to be so cool for you, you know, working there all those years, you know, with the the very cool neighbors and everything. And I'm sorry that that happened to you because that's, that's not easy. It really isn't. So now we kind of got to the point of where everything went wrong, you know, with the mold and guys, the mold, that's a big, people think, oh, mold, like whatever. No, that causes respiratory issues and like chronic breathing issues. And that's a big deal. Like that stuff has to be done. Anyway, now let's get into how exactly they tried to silence you. So once you get to the point of, hey, this is an issue, you bring it to, you know, who it needs to be brought to, what happened then? 
Well, so what happened is that um, backing up to what you also just said, I want to say that when you're talking about, you know, some people look one way or look the other way and becoming a whistleblower is, it's really a process and not an event. I don't think that I, I, I would tell everybody that I talk to, I'm sure you're sitting across looking at me thinking, I could never do what she did. There's mm -hmm. no way I would ever have the courage. People say these things to me all the time. But what happens is that I think that until someone is actually put into a situation where the circumstances are something that they just never imagined they would be put into, and particularly mm -hmm. when you're talking about people's you know, health and, and safety being put at risk, uh, it, it actually becomes almost a it's like a choiceless choice. It's the only way that I can explain it. I didn't mm -hmm. feel, uh, I didn't feel like I could make any other decision on top of the fact that the reason why I kept talking about it was that I was actually trying to save my job. I wasn't mm -hmm. trying to lose my job. I was trying to save my job. I was trying to keep the building safe. I was trying to keep the residents safe. Mm -hmm. Old, as you talked about is a really serious issue. But on top of that, what happened because it's a high rise is that in a high rise building, when you when a high rise building goes under any kind of construction, it's becomes it's a totally different ball game and it can be very dangerous. So if you take a look, for example, at this fire that just took place in New York, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was what like one door, two doors that they found that were propped open and that allowed the smoke to go through. So at this building, what happened was that as part of this mold remediation that they were, when they started to do the mold remediation, they were removing exhaust shaft walls uh, apartment walls and hallway walls. There were all fire rated walls specifically designed. So in the event that there's ever a fire that would take place in the building, the people could safely exit the building mm -hmm. or they could actually safely stay in the building depending on the floor that they're in. And mm -hmm. because they actually removed these walls and left them totally missing for mm -hmm. months, that was that was, it was so dangerous. I mm. mean, it was really dangerous. And, you know, I've, here I was, I was a property manager, you know, my mm. responsibility was really, you know, renting the apartments, you know, keeping all these people happy. But then also, you know, I was responsible for the day-to-day -day interactions between the construction team and the residents. And so, you know, I started becoming concerned because they, they hadn't pulled permits and I knew there was something wrong. And the, the more, I started to, you know, like, I'm not a construction person. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm the building manager. And so the more I started to, to read and learn about these things and, you know, the internet, I would go online, I'd look at the online, I'd look at building codes. Sure. And I would read these things and I would see that, and then I would read about high rises and I would realize how dangerous it was, what was mm -hmm. going on. And so, um, the next part of what your question is. So what happened was that I had raised concerns internally to very high level key executives at the company mm -hmm. for almost about a year about what was going on at the building. Sure. Every step of the way I was dismissed. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that with men and women, um, and I think that all of these claims men, women, no matter what the gender, no matter what the circumstances are, they're all really important. But I will say that for me as a woman, I felt that I was treated differently because I was a woman. So sure. like, for example, when I raised the issue of permits, 
or raise the issue of, you know, the building code in the beginning. I mean, like literally I was dismissed and it was like, you don't, you know, almost like told that I, you know, you don't let the men handle this. You don't, you, this is not, you don't, right. do you know, this is not, this is not serious. I was told that it was a judgment call as I continued to raise more concerns. Then I was told that it was the Irvine company, you know, they made a decision to do the work without pulling permits. And it was up to them to make a decision about how to handle the consequences if they got caught. So um, as time went on, as I became more concerned, I finally hit a point where I decided that I needed to reach out to Donald Bren. So Donald Bren is the chairman of the Irvine company. Mm-hmm. So the Irvine company is one of the largest real estate development companies in the United States. Donald Bren is the wealthiest real estate owner in the whole country mm-hmm. for 16.2 at least 16.2 billion dollars so so they they're you know the company and you're talking back to like hr policies so most most big companies today have these uh they should have policies through their human resources department that dictate what does an employee do so if you see something you're supposed to say something mm-hmm. and how can you safely bring this to the attention of the right people at the company. So what I did was that I followed those policies. Um, at the same time though, because it was the flagship property, it was you know the number one property uh, owned by the Irvine company. You know, these apartments run up to like $40,000 a month. I mean, mm-hmm. a very high profile. And I just couldn't imagine that Donald Brunt possibly had any idea that this was going on at his property. And so I reached out to him thinking, I mean, honestly, I truly believed when I reached out to him, I thought that I thought he was going to reach back out to me personally mm-hmm. and thank me for bringing to his attention and having the courage to tell him that it, one of his properties that he owned mm-hmm. had dangerous conditions were these dangerous conditions were there. And I expected that he would hold all these other people accountable Mm -hmm. and that I would keep my job and that we would fix the issue and it would go, go back to the company as I understood it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But what happened was the opposite. I sent this letter, a former letter of which I he did not reach out to me. I got, I was, I was contacted by the general counsel of the company. And again, they, you know, they told me that uh, they thought that it was a judgment call. Wow. Uh, there were a series of other things that went on. Um, and then uh, a few weeks later, uh, I had reported in this, in this report that I made to Donald Brun, um, I called out four specific apartments with violations and the, um, so a few weeks later, there was a Santa, Santa Monica city inspector that came to inspect these units. And at that inspection, the representatives that came from the corporate office of the Irvine company, they were standing there, they opened up these walls. The inspector said, it looks like there's been recent construction here. And were these walls removed? Was there mold? And this person said to this inspector, a government official, I don't know anything about any construction. Oh and I don't know anything about any mold. And keep in mind at this point, we had, at that point, we'd gone in, I think there's 120 units, 60 units in that building had been impacted by this work. Wow. And he literally lied at the direction 
of the corporate office to this person. And so then after that, um, when I found out about that, and there was a former, the former, uh, uh, a, a gentleman who used to be the former building safety official for the city of Santa Monica, mm-hmm. he was at the inspection and he came to me and said, if I, if I was still the building official for the city of Santa Monica, he was not anymore, but he said, if I was, I would ride tag this building today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's not dangerous. And so, um, with that, what happened was that I was, I literally was left with two options. One was I either have to step forward, like as a former whistleblower to the city of Santa Monica, because oh my gosh. Irvine company didn't do it. They had the opportunity to like tell on themselves that day mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. So it was either I had to step forward and report this or, you know, keep my mouth shut. And I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, no. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't risk. And at that, I will say though, at that stage, when I did that, um, you know, I, I knew that I actually then actually, I should say, then I believed when I came forward, I thought that, that I was informed and told and read that there's all these laws that are in place that protect employees who are whistle who are come forward to tell these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that I would be protected. So I didn't think I would be retaliated against. I didn't think I was going to lose my job. I thought that what would happen is that the Irvine company would be held accountable, that they would have to, you know, fix these things and get it right. But mm-hmm. I actually thought that I would still be able to, uh, I didn't think anything was going to change, but what happened was within days after that, I, you know, I was demoted. I, all my responsibilities were taken away. They started to retaliate against me. Uh, you know, like literally they brought, I had a new supervisor who, um, you know, it was really egregious what they did to me and they just did everything that they could to remove me in any way possible so that I wouldn't, so that I would no longer have access mm-hmm. to what they were doing because mm-hmm. they still weren't actually changing their behavior yet. Right. And it was, um, so it you know, my story, I guess, is one of those that, and it's one of the reasons why I've actually started this, why I founded the Silence No More Foundation is because to me, there's, there's two things. So one, there's a law and there's Mm -hmm. legislation that we can put into place. But then the second thing that happens is the question is whether or not those laws are actually enforced. Mm -hmm. So what I saw around the same time was with, was that the Me Too movement happened. So when the Mm. Me Too movement happened sexual harassment when the me too movement happened was absolutely positively illegal you couldn't sexually harass people in the workplace mm-hmm. but then what happened was that the me too movement came forward and it got a lot of attention and that actually the next thing that happened is that new legislation was passed with that where it became at least in the state of california uh it became illegal for companies to require employees with anything related to like sexual assault, sexual harassment, anything to do with sex. They could no longer, they could no longer require an employee to sign a non-disclosure agreement about mm-hmm. that, that information. And I think more, most importantly is that women feel now that they can come forward and that someone's actually going to listen to them, right? Like they, yeah. they employers follow the laws now. So then you've got me. So I wasn't sexually harassed, but I'm a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. I was I was harassed at the workplace for what I did. And 
I too, whereas these protections that should have been in place for me, they actually have not been enforced. And so there's new legislation that's happened in California now where it's called the Silence No More Act, which is mm. part of my Silence No More Foundation. Right. The Silence No More Act is basically, the easiest way for me to explain it is that it's it's like the Me Too movement on steroids. So whereas <laughs> movement, the only thing it applied to before was sexual harassment or any kind of like sexual assault. Now what happens is that this applies to any type of retaliation, discrimination, or harassment in the workplace, where any of those types of things that come that if an employee is a victim of any of these types of unlawful acts in the workplace, employers can no longer use um, any type of like a non-disclosure agreement to hide that behavior. Mm. They, they can't keep that behavior a secret anymore. They can't use that as uh, collateral in order to get an employee to settle a case. And because what's happened in the past is that, so, you know, employees, they are victims of these types of acts. Mm -hmm. And the employer says, well, great. So what they've been doing is that they've been purchasing, employers have for years have been purchasing the right to buy the silence of their employees so that they can continue to allow the perpetrators and the wrongdoers in these workplaces to keep doing that same behavior. Yeah. And so like, I am sure that the Irvine company very shortly will come out in the public because I'm starting to talk about this and they're going to say, oh no, this is an isolated case. Stephanie, this was right case. But the truth is, is that the Irvine company is has a long history of non-disclosure agreements with residents mm. like mold with employees. They, they use non-disclosure agreements all the time. Uh, they won't be able to anymore, but they have in the past. So they've been able to keep a secret and hide this type of behavior. And I just, you know, I happen to be, they weren't able to, the laws have changed. And at the same time for me, um, I have always felt that because of uh, what happened at the building, mm -hmm. I felt, and because the Irvine company owns 65,000 apartments, yeah. I have always felt that I have a duty to yes. retain my right to be able to talk about this because I feel like people really need to know what happened at this property. Because if it was happening at that building, you know, at this, at the flagship star studded, you know, most expensive building that the Irvine company owns, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening elsewhere. I am committed to making the same thing happen again, so that it's this, so this, the same protections that are now in place from the Silence No More Act, which uh, I have to say that, so her name is Afima Azoma, who okay. was whistleblower. She was responsible for getting this legislation passed. Uh, I admire her so much. She's just such an incredible woman for what she's done. And, you know, so she's, she was responsible for getting this legislation passed, which just took place. And so the law went into effect on January 1st. And so oh. I feel like my duty now, so she did the legislation. My duty now is to get the word out. Right. Right. You know, because I think that so like with your audience today, I think it's important. You know, one thing I think that happens is that most employees don't know what their rights are. Right. They just don't. They don't. It's hard. They don't, they don't know what their new rights are. And there's new laws that are out here. 
Especially when people like you, you know, get into and, and, and help us in that way by, by not being afraid to come forward. And there's so many injustices that happen in the workplace to women. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I could go on for days <laughs> about the number of injustices that I myself have experienced. And you almost get to a point where I'm sure like you, you were probably scratching your head. Like, is this actually happening? Like, this is so wrong and so blatantly wrong. Like, why is this okay? Why is this trying to be swept under the rug? This why you know it's interesting because when we were talking about injustices so you know the in terms of uh like demographics so in terms of like non-disclosure agreements and forced arbitration uh statistically women are more impacted by these types of things than men are mm-hmm. and then african americans actually are one of the one of the highest groups of people that uh, are under non-disclosure agreements that they've had there, that they have not been able to, uh, that they've been victims of injustice in the workplace. You know, income wise, you know, like the typical like employees, it's not employees that, you know, make a ton of money that usually are impacted by this. It's mm-hmm. people that, you know, it's, you know, our working class, it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, California, there's 40 million people that live in this state. And so when you think about how many people live in the state and how many people are impacted by these kinds of things, I mean, the numbers are really, you know, they're astronomical. All of those things, when you put that all together, I mean, it tells a really important story. It tells a really important stories in terms of like accountability and change. And like, listen, it's, there's, there's, I came forward. So you, I, I am a whistleblower in a high rise building and I lost everything Mm -hmm. to try to prevent people from losing their lives. But most people aren't going to do that. So in one year, we've had a building that collapsed Mm -hmm. in Miami. We have all these people that were killed in, in the fire and another high rise fire. And so the something, this tells you that, I mean, like, so I am sure that there are other employees out there today, right now Mm -hmm. that are working in, you know, property management and high rises, whether they're apartments, whatever, they know that these things are, they know that there are these, you know, conditions and they're terrified to come forward because they're afraid they're probably going to lose everything and they probably will. Right. And I think that that is what it's so hard because it's like, okay, we need more people to be willing to just do the right thing. Cause I feel like in your situation and with all anyone who's been in anything similar, if HR or the supervisor or whomever, even if two or three people had have been willing to do the right thing, I feel like sometimes it, it could have changed the, the trajectory of the situation a little bit. But when the when everyone else is saying, oh, no, I'm just going to turn my turn my eye and you only have one person willing to do the right thing, that's really hard. I actually want to really facilitate change. So I want to facilitate change for employees, but I also believe in prevention. So prevention, you know, I've worked in property. I've worked in property management my entire career. It's like what I know. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with real estate developers and I and I understand the ins and outs of uh, I've worked with major employers. So, you know, I think that to me, uh, one way is that I want to help employees. But the other thing is that I know that there are employers that are out there that they have great ethics and mm-hmm. those kinds of stories. And, but they don't really know 
what they need to do in order to make their employees feel safe so they actually will want to come forward. And so that's another thing that's really important to me going forward is to be able to work with employers, any employer that wants to work with employers to help them understand what, what went wrong. And so one of the first things that went wrong is that you can't have your internal, um, your internal ethics complaint department being an internal function. Right. Right. right? Like that was like, that's never going to work. It's always in the best interest of the company. Right. And then when these kinds of things happen, you know, the, it's the, you know, employees. So like, I remember when I was a little girl and I was like in, I think the fifth grade and I was a crossing guard and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had the crossing guard and I got on the bus one day and I, this little girl was lost and I, I took her off the bus and I took her home and I helped her to find her mom. And I went back to school and they had this announcement and I was rewarded for doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't given money. I wasn't, it was, I was just recognized, you know, Mm -hmm. for doing that. And the truth is, is that that was what I wanted. I mean, as you saw in the beginning, I loved my job. I loved my career. I wish I was still working there. Like I didn't want to lose my job. I loved mm-hmm. my I loved my career. And I think that, you know, that when when conscientious employees want to tell their employer that there's something wrong, we need to have it set up in such a way so that employees can do that and keep their jobs and not only keep their jobs, but that employers should then say, look at what this person did. Right. So much for coming. That was what I wanted. You know, it's like I was accused of everything under the sun. And what I wanted was I wanted to keep my job. I wanted people to be safe. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to be acting out of integrity. I wanted to make the company that I worked for proud of me. Right. That was what I wanted. And I didn't get that, but I believe that other people can have that. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, let's say the listeners who are listening today and they hear, you know, about your Silence No More Foundation, you know, how can they join? What can they expect? Um, what's happening at your, at this new venture for you? First of all, I'll just say that I just started this foundation on January 1st. So <laughs> you, I'm you know, forming a board. I have a lot of things that are going on. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things. One, I would say that right now, one of the, one of the most important things that I'm trying to do right now is that, um, you know, if there are other people that are out there that have stories that they can tell mm-hmm. and they can legally tell their story, I want to be really clear because what I'm not trying to do is put somebody in jeopardy. There are, there are I think of my, so there's, there are advocates that are out there right now that are women who are highly educated. They have like all these degrees, Mm -hmm. they're on television, they're well-known, they're famous. I am not that person. I, I am, I was a a property manager who was lucky to have my job. You know, I'm not, I don't have all these degrees. I don't have, you know, a whole list of things to read off. I'm like, I'm like one of the 40 million Californians Mm -hmm. that is that is forgotten and unrepresented. And so like those stories, you know, I think that some of these like bigger stories are really important, but I'm also interested in the stories of, of people that we all relate to. Absolutely. Those stories, because that's where, you know, I had a team of 40 people that reported to me when I worked at 1221 Ocean Avenue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these were positions where people, 
you know, they were hourly workers, they were valets and housekeepers and, you know, the front desk staff and uh, maintenance team. And so these were people that weren't, you know, like highly paid people. These were people mm -hmm. that, you know, they were working and, you know, I'm trying to, to, because I know that this happens all the time. So uh, one, if anybody has stories that they want to share, that's great. I would love to hear about that too, if they want to talk about it on social media and if they can do it safely. I can't say that enough. Right. I don't want anyone to do anything where they would like jeopardize, you know, and or if someone's in active litigation, you know, mm -hmm. I, I won my case, but prior to me winning my case, I don't think that I would be, I, I can tell you for a matter of fact, I wouldn't be doing this. So um, if someone's okay. like in active litigation, I would actually recommend against it to, you know, to, or talk to your lawyer, be really careful about what you do, um, you know, make sure that you're protecting yourself. Um, but I think that, uh, or if there's someone that's out there in your audience right now that they really understand my story and they need someone to talk to mm -hmm. silence, no more.org. They can, they can, in my email is Stephanie at silence, no more.org. Please, they can reach out to me. You know, my, wow. one of the worst parts for me was that I literally did not know anyone when I went through this, who had gone through this experience. Mm. And it was, you know, that, that was one of the worst parts, you know, I just didn't, I, you know, when you can talk to another person who's gone through the same thing that you've gone through, it's a total game changer. And especially when you can talk to somebody who's gone through something ahead of you, mm. right? That's right. different. And in my case, I went through it and I won my case. Wow. So I'm here. I'm here in any way that I can to help. Wow. Thank you so much for making yourself available in that way. And, you know, I think that we just need more conversations like this to yes. get people talking about it and feeling more comfortable with doing the right thing. You know, just when these situations arise, you know, just handle it properly. To me, it's just it takes much more energy and much more um headspace and anger and and just coming from a bad place to do the wrong thing a lot of the times you know if they had it just in your situation in the beginning heard you out taking care of the issue like everyone would be happy now like you'd be at your beautiful job like they wouldn't have to have gone to court like it so just being more aware, you know, being more aware of how we treat people. You mentioned that beautiful illustration of you being the patrol on the bus. That was just you doing the right thing, you know, just doing the right thing. And hopefully we can all get back, you know, more into that. But certainly, you know, foundations like yours are definitely going to be um, key and instrumental to doing that. So, um, Beautiful, beautiful. And guys, I will definitely put uh, all of Stephanie's information um, in the description of this episode on podcast as well as on YouTube. So you'll just be able to click and get to where you need to be. So I want to thank you so much, Stephanie, for being here today and sharing your incredible story. I mean, like I mentioned, everyone can relate to this. Many women especially have been through maybe not on as large of scale, but, you know, we've all experienced some sort of, you know, workplace um, issue like this, you know, with with HR and, and, and with 
bringing things to the attention of those powers at B and, and getting shut down and getting swept under the rug and getting silenced. And it just can't keep happening. So I want to thank you so much for being here today and, and sharing your story as well as how to get in contact with you. And ladies, I hope that you will. Uh, thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. I really enjoyed our conversation. I've learned a lot and thank you. I really, really appreciate it. All right, ladies. Well, I want to thank you so much for listening to Work It Lady. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.